Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I remember the day so vividly, the 12th of September, 1988, as in Jamaica. Hurricane Gilbert hit, and it was a massive, massive storm. It was only a Category 3 at the time when it hit Jamaica. But the fact of the matter was that we hardly had any time to prepare for it. You know, back in the 80s, you know, the, the weather reporting systems and so on were less than sophisticated, shall we say, as they are now. And I remember standing in, at, at my front door and watching the hurricane just, just pass by and do its devastation. And I remember seeing zinc roofs and panels and, and even initial solar panels and stuff, kind of almost being peeled off like you would peel a banana. Uh, it, was, it was very interesting, um, shall we say. Of course, I was probably a toddler, toddler still, in, still in nappies at that point, um, back in the 80s. But I remember it vividly. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's, um, it caused so much devastation at the time. And it was about 320 people died. The entire country, country was, was smashed to smithereens almost. But because of the less than sufficient notice, there was so much panic throughout the island. Supermarkets, shops, even gas stations, for whatever strange reason, were jam-packed. Everyone thought it was almost going to be the end of the world. We've also had a very busy hurricane season, a very busy summer recently. It was a record-breaking season, apparently. Um, in late August, Hurricane Harvey came, became the first major hurricane to make landfall in the U.S. since Hurricane Wilma in 2005. And then on 6th of September, Hurricane Irma became the first Category 5 hurricane on record to unleash its most ferocious power in the Caribbean. It was one of the strongest hurricanes ever to make landfall in the Atlantic Basin. And the season was the first on record, so many records being smashed, to feature two Category 4 or stronger hurricanes um, that hit the Atlantic and hit, uh, made landfall in the U.S. as well. And it pounded the British Virgin Islands. And I'm sure you've seen all of this in the press. Um, and the BVI in particular, I mean, there was unprecedented force unleashed on that island and unimaginable destruction. And I was reading, I was, gone, I was on Facebook a few, I'm hardly on Facebook, but 
um, a few days ago. And an ex-classmate of mine posted this message on Facebook, and she lives in Florida, and she was describing uh, what, what was unleashing um, around her home at the time in the midst of Hurricane Irma. And it goes like this. It sounds like a freight train or an airplane starting its engines. What's more, there is a constant hum, like a low-grade bass line from a party. Then there's a constant crashing, banging, and thudding of projectiles hitting. I'm peering through the peephole of the front door, and where the street used to be is a swirling, seething mass of water. The door is vibrating. The shutters are struggling to stay on. Oh my, the howling of the wind. Tears came to my eyes at the time. Thankfully, she survived the storm. And that's on land. So can you imagine it being ten times worse in the middle of, um, you know, that, that lake where, where Jesus and his disciples were? When that storm came suddenly, and they had no time to prepare for it. And so as Roger said, you know, the title of my sermon this evening is Peace in the Midst of the Storm. And I think it's poignant, actually, not, not only due to the recent storms, but I also feel that we're going through almost unprecedented times, not just in our church, and I guess I get a little bit more information now because, uh, you know, I'm in the leadership and so on, but also even beyond our church, throughout this community in Billericay, in Shenfield, and we don't even think too much further into London and into Manchester and, and the recent events. And I read online recently that the top five stressful life events are as follows. Death of a spouse or a loved one. Divorce or separation. Personal injury or illness. And job loss. And retirement. And I can think of so many people who I know who are going through so many stressful events. And I'm sure even some of us this evening. So how do we survive? How do we cope? What is it that we do? What's our coping mechanism? When we're going through our sleepless nights and, and having depression and anxiety, what is it that we do? And I think this passage here, and another one that, that I'll read us a little bit later on, there are four things that I think... Um, highlights and be able to show us how we can actually have peace in the midst of crises, in the midst of storms, not just to cope and to survive, but actually somehow miraculously to thrive despite the, the storms and the hurricanes, whether they're category one through to category five or whatever it is. I'm sure that there are some really good and very interesting nuggets there that we can unpack in this, through these scripture verses. The first point I'd like to make is we must invite Jesus into our boat. It may seem obvious, but he has to be there. The disciples were told to go over to the other side in Mark 4, verse 35. Jesus was with them. They didn't know this at the outset. But their survival was going to be down to the fact that Jesus 
was present with them. And so the passage begins with, on that day when evening came, and of course it had been a very long day, teach, teaching lots of crowds and so on and so forth, and, and at the end of it, you know, Jesus had to even, even go into another boat and start preaching from there. And so by nightfall, I'm sure Jesus was exhausted. And so he did what he did so many times. He said, hey guys, you know, let's just chill out. Let's just leave the crowd and go back and get some rest. And even Jesus knew the value of actually getting rest and taking time out. So he climbed into the, into the stern, into the back of the boat, and he fell asleep. And of course, we all know the story. The storm came. And it wasn't just a relatively minor storm. It was a life-threatening storm. But the main thing that we learn from this here is that Jesus was in the boat. He was chilling out. He was relaxing. Yesterday, um, in, in our men's Bible study on Enoch, talking about some of the unlikely heroes in the Bible, and we're doing a, a Bible study on Enoch and how he walked with God and he was able to escape death. And so much more so, even we must do that. We must walk with God. We must have him in our boat. We must have him as a captain of our ship. Amen? Amen. Amen. He has to be there. Otherwise, there is no way on this planet that we can really survive the stresses of this life. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Jesus must be the captain of our lives. And relying on him only and not on our own smartness and our own resources and you know how rich we are or the different things that we, that we may have or possess. Those things count for naught when we're going through stress. When a loved one has died, I mean, no matter how much money you have, that will not help you go to go through that treacherous storm of the sudden loss of someone who you hold there. But there is so much power there and such a great, great story. There's just a great image of Jesus being in that boat, resting assured that nothing, no matter what storm came, he would have full and utter and complete control. The second point is, in verse 38, is don't worry, right? The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious, about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The apostles themselves, even though they had Jesus in the, in the boat, they were panicking. Aren't we like that sometimes as well? God, where are you? I'm in the middle of a crisis. Don't you care? What on earth is happening? I've given my life to you. I've served in church and I've served my community and I've done so many things. Even the apostles with Christ right there next to them, 
they panicked. But the Bible here says, never, ever worry about anything. Why not? I mean, and I know we've covered this, this point um, a few months ago here in the evening service on you know, not worrying and so on and so forth. But just a couple of nuggets here which says, worry exaggerates the problem. It makes the problems and the storms seem a whole lot bigger. It blows them out of proportion. Plus, it doesn't work. One of the podcasts that I, that, that I listen to, one of the speakers that I listen to a lot is Rick Warren, um, the pastor of Saddleback Church, purpose-driven church and so on. And he said, to worry about something you can't change is useless. And to worry about something you can change is stupid. Just, just do it. Just change it, right? Don't worry about it. But in either case, worry doesn't work. And it causes all sorts of health problems. We worry ourselves sick, that phrase. And it is so true. When you worry, we start having lots of health problems. One of the, and actually the word worry comes from an old English word called wergen or wergen, W-Y-R-G-A-N, which means to strangle or to choke. So when you worry, you're actually strangling yourself. You're actually choking your life. And so in the middle of that furious storm, what Jesus was teaching his disciples was, don't focus on the storm. Don't focus on the circumstances at all. Do not worry. I'm here in the boat with you. In verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why worry, O ye of little faith? So it's by having faith, which is a complete opposite of fear and worry, that is the answer to this problem. Fear is actually looking at the storm. Faith is looking at the Savior. Fear is focusing on the problem, and faith is actually focusing on the problem solver. Fear is looking and focusing and worrying about your circumstances, but faith is looking at God. So what Jesus was actually teaching here is not necessarily about the actual circumstances and about the storm, and not just about the mere fact that he was there in the boat, but it's our response to the storm that really does matter. It's our response that's really, really important. And having faith in the midst of the storm, because Jesus Christ is here with us, That is really the crux of the situation. The third point is pray. It says there in Philippians 4, verse 6 6 to 7, says, But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so why should we pray? Well, because, of course, Jesus has supreme authority and has all the power over every single circumstance that we could ever face. The powers of the storms, of the hurricanes, whatever they are, whether physical or emotional or circumstantial, Jesus has full authority and power over them. Verse 39 says, literally, Jesus said to them, quiet, peace be still. 
So if Jesus can command the winds and the storms and everything else, what's more that he can control our own situations? And immediately, it wasn't just a gradual thing, immediately the storms died. The hurricanes died. Everything just calmed right down. In Psalm 107, verses 24 to 31, it tells us that in the deep waters, that is where we see God's power at work. And that is why we pray, not just to satisfy our own souls and our own selves, but to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit into the situation and into the different circumstances that we actually do face. In that psalm, it says, They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. And then later on it says, They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. So because Jesus' power is so perfect in the midst of our own trials and tribulations and storms, he has so much power there. We are powerless, but he has full power. And it's not necessarily saying that we won't necessarily go through a storm or we won't have any storms. But in the fact of the matter is that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is there with us. And then finally, be thankful. Be thankful in the storms. Not necessarily saying be thankful for the storms, <laughs> but be thankful whilst you're going through them. Verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And Philippians 4 verse 6 says, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This means thanking God in the midst of the storm. Thanking God for the answered prayer that is to come. By faith, we know that he's going to answer the prayers. God is so faithful, isn't he? God is so faithful. And this was one of those storms that was going to stretch the disciples' faith. They went from fearful panic to amazement, to awe as to who this wonderful person was in the boat that was with them. And so they got a greater appreciation of who Jesus is. But they had to go through the storm to get to that point. And it was in the storm, in the midst of that struggle, that they matured and they drew a whole lot closer to Jesus. And so it is with our own storms, difficulties in our own lives, that help us to mature as well. And when we've gone through the storm and we've gone through to the other end, that's when we appreciate how much Jesus was actually the one taking us through the storm. But also we appreciate the spiritual growth through the difficult situations, whatever they were. 
One of the other things that occurred to me was that the disciples had to go through the storm because Jesus was preparing them for an even bigger thing to come. They're going to move from from university student to you know graduate employee to 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 become a chief exec of building his kingdom. And so he had to teach them that listen, no matter what storms were coming your way in the future, the fact that I'm here with you, the fact that I have power throughout the storms, that those are the things that you need to remember that will take you through in the future when God, when they face so many struggles and persecutions that, that, that were facing them um, coming up. It's so important to remember that Jesus is not going to let us go through anything that he hasn't prepared us for. And I know it's difficult sometimes to think about that. You know, when there's crisis happening, you know, it's so difficult to think about the lessons that we can learn through them. And there are times when, um, when some of my friends, back in the back in the day, when they were thinking about getting married, and um, they'd come to me and say, "Norbert, you know, what do you think? Do you, th- you know, should I marry this girl? And oh, what, you know, um, you've known known her as well, and we've gone out a few occasions. And I'm like, well, you know, have we gone through an argument as yet? <laughs> have we gone through a stressful situation as yet in in, in your relationship?" Yeah, but it's been six months and we're really in love and it's all great and it's all good. But have you actually gone through a stressful event and seen all the facades just dropped and fallen away? That is when you see the true person. And that is why so many of us put up our facades, don't we? Even on a Sunday morning. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. And we just move on. (laughs) But we need to have much more deeper conversation. But that's not the point. The point is, the point is that that when we're going through the stressful events, that is when our true selves and our true characters are really tested. And that is when we need to really rely on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the captain of our ship, the one who is most powerful the one who is omniscient and omnipresent, the one who is the savior of our soul, the one who died on the cross for us. And if he has done so much of that and he's been faithful, we sung earlier, he's been so faithful, faithful one, so unchanging. And he's proven himself time upon time again, so many times in our lives, that he's been faithful And he'll be there with us. He's performed so many miracles. He's caused us long lives. He's done so many positive things in our lives. So rather than just focusing so much on the problems, which by focusing on them, they they become even bigger. They seem even bigger. Remembering who Jesus is and who Jesus was back in the day when he was there living and in that boat with the disciples, remembering all the things that, that he did. You know, Jesus wasn't just asking him, asking them to have a blind faith. He was asking them to have a radical faith, not just focusing on the circumstances that they were in and that they were facing, but it was about the fact that in the previous chapters um, in Mark, he had healed so many people from leprosy, 
He'd heal the sick. He was saying that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he saved so many people. And they'd seen him. And they'd seen his handiwork. And they'd, they'd, they'd experienced it with him. Yet he was in the boat. And they still didn't trust him. But friends, we need to trust God, don't we? He gave his life for us. He did so many things for us. Doesn't he deserve our trust? It is hard. It is so hard. It is so, so difficult. In the midst of real stress, category five storms. I'm not talking about first world problems, you know. <laughs> um, I forgot my Rolex today. Oh my God, such drama, such stress. <laughs> um, real difficulties. It is so hard. But that's why we're here to remind ourselves. Amen? Jesus being in our boat and being the captain of our vessel, walking with God, walking with Him is so important. And of course, you know, not to say that if you just completely ignore Him and you're going through drama and so on, that He's not going to help you. But isn't it so much better if you're walking with Him? And having a personal relationship with him on a regular basis. So much better, isn't it? And so when the traumas come, no matter how stressful we are, we can remember God's faithfulness and God walking with us, hand in hand, guiding us and leading us through whatever the storms are. So just to recap them, Jesus must be in our boat. That is so crucial. Whether we are Christians, especially if we are Christians, <laughs> he has to be in our boat. That's the first and fundamental thing. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're kind of wavering in your faith, let's strengthen our commitment to him. Let's renew that, 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 that freshness that, that, that we had at the initial point of our relationship, of our walk with God. Second thing, of course, is don't worry. Don't stress, man. Just chill. Just easy. Take it easy. I don't think I can sleep in the middle of a storm like Jesus did. But I jolly well know that he, if I have faith and put my faith and trust in him, that he will guide me through the storm. I'll come out at the other end with bruises, I know. But he will take me through to the other end. And pray. It's obvious, isn't it? But so many times I see people, Christians, 20-year-old Christians, 40-year-old Christians, young, old, middle-aged, going through crisis. And they're relying on themselves and they're not praying. They don't, do it. They don't call their, their groups or their small groups together and say, hey guys, I'm going through trouble. Pray with me, please, come on, let's gather together. I know it's so basic, but so many times because of the stress, some of the basic things that we know <laughs> just go out through the window, don't they? And then finally, be thankful. Be thankful in the midst of our journey through the storm, in the midst of the rocky, rocky waves and the heavy, heavy winds. 
the howling, in the midst of all of it, we know that God is working. We know that God, God is working through it. And he's working on our faith. He's working on our, on our focus. He's working on our lives in the midst of the storm. At the end, we're going to get stronger. We're going to have a much closer and better appreciation of who he is. Not just about what he has done in our lives, but about who he is. Who is this Jesus? Who is this man that I've given my life to? He is so, so amazing, so faithful and unchanging. The Jesus, the God of the Old Testament, is the same God that we serve today.